1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, December the 8th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On December 8, 1941, the United States entered World War II as Congress declared war against Imperial Japan, a day after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Today, in 1765, Eli Whitney, inventor of the cotton gin, he was born in Westboro, Massachusetts, Today in 1949, the Chinese nationalist government moved from the Chinese mainland to Formosa. We know it as Taiwan today as the communists pressed their attacks. Today in 1980, former Beatle John Lennon was shot to death outside his New York City apartment building by David Chapman, uh, Mark David Chapman. Today in 1987, President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev signed a treaty at the White House calling for destruction of intermediate-range nuclear missiles. Today, in 2001, the U.S. Capitol was reopened to tourists after a two-month security shutdown. And one year ago today, with more than two dozen states poised to ban abortion if the U.S. Supreme Court were to give them the okay, which they did, as you know, California clinics and their allies in the state legislature revealed a plan to make the state a sanctuary for those seeking reproductive care. Reproductive care is code for murder. Abortion. It's not reproductive care. It's eliminating human beings that are not convenient, that the mother or whomever doesn't want. They're inconvenient. That's what it is. It isn't reproductive care. That is perhaps the big lie of the century. Just about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago now this morning, the um, a deal was made between the United States and Russia. President Biden announced and the Russian foreign ministry confirmed, as I said, about an hour, hour and a half ago, that Brittany Griner was being released from um, Russian prison in exchange for the Russian arms dealer Victor Bout. He's known as the Merchant of Death. Um, Tom Cotton did not like this very much. Republican from, he's a senator, Republican from Arkansas, a veteran. Tom Cotton predicted right after this happened that leftist President Joe Biden's decision to trade imprisoned basketball player Brittany Griner for notorious Russian arms dealer Victor Bout, known as the Merchant of Death, would result in people dying as rogue states interpreted the move as an open season to arrest Americans. He's absolutely right. I have spent a great deal of time in third world countries in Christian missionary work and I have seen how they think and how the leadership in these countries think, they can't wait to arrest a few Americans on any charges and hold them, particularly if they're high value or if they're well-known people or they can be made well-known people. A Marine that should have been required to be released was not in this exchange that happened This morning, it's really sad. And Tom Cotton is absolutely right. This is going to encourage particularly third world countries, but other countries as well, even developing and developed countries to take hostage American people. It's a sad day that Biden has to make those kinds of decisions. He did so because Brittany Griner is a well-known, famous, out-front basketball player, and that's all great. I mean, she's as important as anyone else in America, but not more important. Joe Biden has been once again influenced by the winds of progressivism. He thought this would be a good deal. It would make him look good. It's sad. It's really sad. Because this guy, this bout and I don't have time to go into what he has been, but I've read quite a bit about him. And no, I haven't met him, but I know quite a bit about him. I've read about him. He, what he was doing when he got arrested was some years ago. He was um, he was trafficking in uh, particularly guns, like um, you know machine guns, whatever, and he was importing them into primarily third world countries, underdeveloped countries. And he was doing so with big uh, cases of food, and he was doing what he was doing under the guise of helping them, kind of a humanitarian effort, and selling them food at just for pennies on the dollar. He wasn't giving it to them. It wasn't pretending to be a ministry or anything like that, but he was just giving them um, food at just pennies of what it would normally cost in any other country or developed countries. And But in the... In the food deliveries to these countries, he was in Colombia, which is not a third world country, but in third world countries in Africa and other places, he was operating in a number of places around the world. But he would um, he would he would ship in massive amounts of guns, and he, then he would sell them to the to the terrorists in those countries, terrorists that primarily hated America. And when the when he was arrested. I'm recalling this from memory, but I'm I'm pretty sure I, I know that I remember correctly. When he was arrested, uh, there were two undercover agents that actually got him, and he was um, he was talking to them about an exchange. They were pretending to be you know potential buyers, to, arranging a deal between Bout and some country. I don't remember which one it was. And he went for it, and uh, in the exchange between them, he told the, the DEA officials, uh, they asked him, they said, uh, you know, you're aware that these guns could, you know, potentially kill people in the country, but they could also kill Americans, because some of these people that are buying the guns are are infiltrating Americans. And this, this uh, guy, this Bout, this Victor Bout, he said he wanted these weapons to kill Americans. He said, I have been, he said, we have, I'm quoting him. He said, we have a common enemy. And he said, I've been fighting that enemy, the United States for more than 10 years. So Biden trades him for a basketball player. Boy, just when you think you've seen it all, you haven't, this guy's not going to go to the black sea and, and, you know, get a nice condo on the beach there in the resort areas and retire. He's going to go right back to what he was doing before. And Joe Biden, among all people, should know that. He's president of the United States. It's just a matter of time until this guy is connected to another crime that will probably be killing people and probably will be killing Americans in one way or another. Tom Cotton, a veteran, a wonderful guy, a great senator, a great guy. He was all over this this morning. He was really upset about it. Thank you, Tom Cotton. Wish we had a few Tom Cottons out here in the Northwest. But we don't. Senator Raphael Warnock, he suggested voter suppression just hours after he had won the Georgia election, the the runoff election, uh, to the U.S. Senate on Tuesday night, Warnock was yesterday was talking about the alleged voter suppression. Just after he had won, he had beat Herschel Walker, the f- kind of famous football player in the state's competitive Senate r- runoff. He said the proceedings to suggest he said they th- there were long lines. This Nar- Warnock said I talked about him the other day. He said there were long lines the rain and the cold. I guess he's blaming God for voter suppression. He said it was rainy and it was cold and all kinds of tricks uh, were being used. I'm not sure what those tricks were, but they were indications of voter suppression that the people had to overcome. He said, let me be clear. Just because people endured long lines that wrapped around buildings some blocks long, just because they endured the rain and the cold and all kinds of tricks in order to vote, doesn't mean that voter suppression does not exist. It simply means that you, the people, have decided that your voices will not be silenced. The guy won. But he, oh no, there's voter suppression. He won't just take his win, and go back to Congress. Progressivism is a religion of guilt with no provision or possibility of redemption. That's what's going on in our world today. Progressivism isn't an ideology. It's beyond that. It's crept into the religion category. It's a religion. They worship their beliefs. They give lip service often to Christianity. This guy's a a pastor of a church. They give lip service to God and the Bible and their church often. Nancy Pelosi is an example of that. But it has become, progressivism has become a religion. It's a religion of guilt, and yet they keep telling you, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. America was not founded for religious freedom. It was founded for slavery, to advance slavery in 1619, not 1776. But there's never a provision of redemption. You never are forgiven for your sins in progressivism. Because that is the blunt force that they use to bring people into a kind of bondage or captivity under their regimes. I mean, whatever. That's what we're facing here in America today. And that's why we're so deeply divided. It truly is. I got this from a guy this morning. He says, the preacher in Georgia that won the Senate, I would go to that man's church. <laughs> this is one of our listeners. I would go to that man's church. I support his views. Great man. Walker was not intelligent to win. Unfit that Trump handpicked him. He said, blue wave. Thank God for the great Democratic Party. Abortion should be legal. The Democrats are not forcing anyone to have abortion. You, the Republicans, w- want to blame the politicians, and the law, but never blaming the woman. It's 100% on the woman. I don't support your view. I listen to your show, but I don't agree with you. Thank you, sir. Oh, boy. There's a new poll out. I mentioned it on Monday. There's a new poll released on Monday that I mentioned on, on Monday of this week. It reveals that the public trust in mainstream media outlets like the New York Times, Washington Post, NPR, CBS News, and so on, is at an all-time low. That's not surprising. I mean, we know that because, I mean, who trusts the the news anymore? You'll recall I, I talked about that for a little while. Well, I want to extend that just for a couple of minutes this morning before we get to another topic. The, these outlets, the New York Times, Washington Post, NPR, CBS, all of them, uh are announcing that they're going to be slashing hundreds of jobs in an effort to cut costs because they're losing money and they've been doing this for a long time thankfully there's this new poll out today or yesterday i not either last night or this morning it's i and i tip tipp survey they showed that 61% of respondents had no trust in traditional media with 32% indicating little trust, 29% it, uh, expressing no trust at all. These numbers mark a new record for a poll which is conducted every month. This survey it was also looked at political affiliation, and they found, and here's the interesting part, and this is not the one I talked about. I talked about, a, uh, I think it was a Gallup poll. Um, I, yeah, it was a Gallup survey on, on Monday of this week, the day it had come out. But here's what this this tip poll found and it's consistent with with the Gallup survey but it it it's a little more a little more negative as far as people and their feelings toward the press but the survey looked at the political affiliation which found 54% of democrats saying they trust legacy media more than half of the democrats trust them because i mean these people are allied with the far left but 42% of democrats have no trust in the media. They should send them cupcakes. I mean, man, the media is working for the left like like crazy. On the Republican side, just 15% said they trusted the media. I found myself wondering, 81% said they did not trust the media. That wasn't surprising to me. But who are the 15% of the Republicans that trust the media? I don't know. I don't know any Republicans. The trust the media. I mean, why would you trust the media? They simply don't tell the truth. When they even report on something that's a negative toward per- particularly the president now or some issue, uh, a moral issue, abortion, whatever, um, they twist the story. They slant it. They don't even report. When they report something that's favorable to conservatism or biblical values or whatever, they slant it so it's not really all that great in the mind of just the casual listener. These low low poll numbers suggest a connection to recent news and the legacy media layoffs. The Wall Street Journal reported on December 3rd that Gannett Company, or Gannett Company, that they publish USA Today along with a whole bunch of other, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15, 20, I'm not sure how many, local newspapers, that they're currently in the midst of laying off over 200 staff not the Journal, but the, the Gannett or USA Today, which is in addition to 400 jobs that they had cut, the company had made earlier this year. CNN is in free fall, as you may know. I've mentioned that on this program several times. And in the mid, They're laying off hundreds of employees like right now, before Christmas, and um, they have now ended... They're live programming on HLN—that was formerly Headline News—it was owned by and operated by by the um, CNN. They've dropped that now. They, they said they, they can't afford to keep it on the air, so that's gone. The Washington Post announced on November 30th that they're going to halt publication of their Sunday magazine and lay off staff. A budget shortfall at NPR—they're <laughs> publicly—that's your radio network. If you pay taxes, you support NPR unfortunately. It's causing the organization to seek $10 million in cuts. This downsizing trend is not only affecting news media, but it's infecting the entertainment media as well. Warner Brothers, Discovery, Paramount Global, Disney, and um, AMC Networks all recently announced that they're slashing hundreds of jobs in an effort to cut costs to get back to operating in the black. We're obviously undergoing a seismic shift in the way people consume media. I mean, we just are. I mean, it it is certainly about disagreement with the bias of the media. But beyond that, people are beginning to seek out platforms of information and news that are consistent with their worldview. And that is a, actually not a, all a bad thing. The trend has been growing for a number of years, but the curve is accelerating. It's becoming exponential. The trust people have had at one time is now gone from what we used to call the fourth estate. It's eroded, at least on the institutional level. And so there is a great shift in the way people consume information and entertainment now. This proliferation of of alternative media outlets, and innovation occurring in the media sphere is changing the way people get their information and their and their entertainment. We're now seeing reporters self-publishing on platforms like Substack, even uh, breaking and reporting stories on Twitter without any publishing umbrella. In other words, there's a growing bunch of people who are reporting the news from their perspective and people are just taking the news off certain platforms. They're not looking to CBS, NBC, whatever, blah, 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 or even local news outlets. They're looking to sp- specific outlets that they have come to trust, and they agree with their worldview. That is a very good thing. I'm glad that's happening. You say, well, I mean, then people will become just biased. They won't know the whole story. They won't have a balanced they're not getting a balanced menu of information. People today are getting a like a fire hose in the face of information that supports the progressive left atheist abortionist views, world views. And they're not getting a balanced news menu. So if you turn on your 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever news in your town where you live, you know you're not going to get the truth. You're going to get stories, and they're going to be slanted toward the worldview of the media. And the worldview of the media is far-left, so-called progressive, humanist, often atheistic, not always, but often. So people are now just, I mean, the move is underway. It's happening. New media outlets that cater to specific audiences' worldview are seeing significant growth. One of them is the Daily Wire. That's a conservative news and commentary site. It's not Christian, but it's very conservative. And they launched that in 2015. This year, they announced they are now a $100 million a year business. From start in 2015 to $100 million in revenue this year. That's what's happening. That's one example. I would tell you that Christian radio is one of the oldest mediums, electronic mediums. It is the oldest one. Christian radio is now becoming a choice by people because they trust the message that's on there. And you're listening to me on a Christian radio station because that's all the stations we're on are Christian radio stations. And so you've come to believe that this station generally— And this program represents your views, at least to some degree, unless you're like the guy that I read a few minutes ago who listens to this program. And we have a lot of those people that listen to this program, and they they don't agree with me at all. But that's fine. Just keep listening. I mean, who knows what will happen in your heart, in your mind. But we're in a transformational time, so just hang on. And things are shifting out. And some of the news media that's been running the world, they're they're about they're about to lose their grip i'll tell you because people are writing them off and it doesn't matter how tall their skyscraper is and how big their logo is and the new york times and the gray lady and and all of this kind of thing and the chicago you know sun times and the washington post and jeff bezos and i don't know man people are moving away from those guys they're pushing back and they're saying they don't want any part of it So here we are, a voice in the wilderness, as they say. But I see I'm very positive, and that's why I'm very committed to doing what we do the way we do it on Christian radio. I'm not saying I wouldn't be on a secular station if the opportunity arose. I was on secular network television stations for 12 years every morning, and um, we did what we do, and, and that was a time in my life, and that's what worked. But now things are shifting, and this what we are doing is becoming a part of what's happening out there in our world as we see it. I talked more about that this morning than I intended to. I just couldn't help myself. I've got something else I wanted to talk with you about. I'll summarize it in a moment. But because of all these changes, I want to encourage you and thank you for your support and want to encourage you to stand with us in these shifting Perilous, but shifting, changing times. Don't be overwhelmed by all that's happening in our world today. It is, It can be overwhelming for sure. But I remember the words of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3, where the prophet said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Just keep your mind focused on the Lord. That's why I say so often, God is in control. That's not just a slogan. That's a deeply held belief of mine, and I hope of yours as well. No matter what happens, no matter what we can't explain, no matter what we don't understand, no matter what we wish wasn't, like the present administration and whatever, God is in control. We're called to stand, courageously stand. Throughout the Bible, we hear these messages. Joshua called the people of his time to take a stand for God. Choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But you've got to make up your mind whom you're going to serve. The voices that speak on behalf of the Lord and the Word of God, the Bible, are calling us to stand firm. This is a time to stand when we've done everything we can do and we are called to do everything we can do because we're identified by Jesus as light and salt. And our culture needs both desperately. But when we've done all we can do, we're called to simply stand for righteousness. Stand for Jesus. Stand for what is right and good in a world that is terribly out of control, terribly in decay. Thank you for your support of this ministry. I did not get to the text of what I wanted to talk about today, but we will continue this tomorrow, of course, but I'll let you know what it was in a moment, and where you can read some of what I wrote today. But thank you so much for standing with us, and thank you so much for your support. We need it. I would encourage you to stand with us. We will not make that the main part of our program. We will simply mention it, as long as you'll stand with us, I'll stand with you, and we'll continue to do what we're doing here each day. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009, Box 399, Bellevue, 98009, or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, faith, A-N-D, and that's our website, you can go there. You can contribute there as well. There's a little tab. You can click it and follow the prompts. And uh, I thank you in advance for it. We need it. Speaking of our website, if you go to our website today, and I trust that some of you will to make a contribution, that would be a good thing. Uh, There's a story there that will come up. The first thing you'll see is Biden, more important things than visiting the border I was going to talk a little bit about the fact that President Joe Biden has told reporters, they asked him when he went to Arizona this week, uh, if he was going to visit the border. I mean, Arizona is pretty close to the border. The southern part of Arizona is the border. And are you going to visit the border? No, he said, I have more important things. I'm quoting him. He said, because there are more important things going on. One of the reporters pressed him very hard and said, you know, what are these things? And I talk about some of the things that the president feels are more important than the border. And I talked about the border yesterday, and I talked about how it's porous. I mean, it's just flooding into America. Millions of people are coming here, and speaking of the terrorists with guns from this Victor Bout guy, and others like him, I mean, we have now known people on known terrorist lists that are just cruising through the border, Tijuana and elsewhere, and coming into America. Nobody knows where they are. So, But Biden had other things in mind, and so I talked a little bit about that today and and, uh, how that uh, uh, it is great that a a Taiwanese investment company that manufactures chips is building a big plant in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, that's a good thing, but man, a porous open border is also a thing of concern, and he doesn't seem to be very concerned about it. So, anyway, we wrote about that today. You can check that out when you go there. Thanks for being with me today. It's always an honor. I'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. (laughs)